just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Thursday. It's been kind of a quasi-busy week. This is a weird week, though. The week between Christmas and New Year's is always a little slower than most weeks, mainly because a lot of folks are still on vacation. Many folks aren't working this week, so it's not quite like your normal week, in spite of the fact that there's a lot going on. Now, I told you in the previous podcast that the House Ways and Means Committee is going to be releasing Donald Trump's tax returns on Friday. This is going to be an interesting day. Now, up to this point, we've seen little bits and pieces revealed. And it's pretty compelling stuff. It's pretty damning stuff for Donald Trump. But when these tax returns are released... Everybody will have a chance to see everything. Donald Trump did everything he could to hide these tax returns, stop the revealing of these tax returns, but to no avail. He took it to the Supreme Court. I'll give him that. He tried to run out the clock, and he almost did, but not quite. Now, the House Ways and Means Committee didn't get a chance to have hearings and investigate and all those sorts of things, and they knew it. So what they did was, well, we'll just release it to the public and the media, and we'll let the chips fall where they may. And frankly, that was the best possible choice for them in the circumstances they were in. They knew the Republicans were taking over the House of Representatives, including the House and Ways Ways and Means Committee. So these taxes would be pushed under the rug. So they released it to everybody. Now everybody will see it. There's a lot of things that are going to come out of this uh, revelation, if you will. We're going to find out that Donald Trump is nowhere near a billionaire, which will kill Donald Trump. The reason we know he's not a billionaire, because on his taxes, he shows tens of millions of losses almost every year. We find out he doesn't may pay much in the way of taxes. So if those two things are true, how in the hell could he be a billionaire? I mean, we're only seeing a stretch of six years, but eventually you have to have some winning years, and he didn't really have any winning years that amounted to much, especially when you put it up against all the losses. So Donald Trump's ego is going to be hurt, He's, of course, going to deny it and say that, oh, that's not true. Somebody fixed those or photoshopped them or something like that. But, of course, that's all bullshit. This stuff came directly from the IRS, so there's very little that could have been done or would have been done. Now, up to now, we've seen some little bits of information that in themselves are kind of revealing, kind of compelling. And one of those things came out yesterday. 
And it was one of his write-offs. Now, we know Donald Trump has trouble with being honest with write-offs. He likes to exaggerate in his favor to write off things and save money in taxes. Well, there's one write-off that he made that is really intriguing. It is a write-off for $140,000. In money, he paid to Michael Cohen, his lawyer at the time. What's funny about this is it was really a payback to Michael Cohen, who paid $140,000 to Stormy Daniels simply to keep her mouth shut. Now, it's not hard to track the paper trail here. He wasn't paying Michael Cohen $140,000 for services rendered. He was paying $140,000 as reimbursement for the money Michael Cohen spent. And we know this because Michael Cohen said as much. And we know that Michael Cohen actually paid Stormy Daniels because he spent some time in jail. Donald Trump in that situation was a, a um, unnamed co-conspirator. And co-conspirator is the interesting thing here. That means he was complicit in this crime, but he was unnamed, probably because he was running for president or was already president. That doesn't mean he wasn't guilty. It just means the position he was in he couldn't be indicted. Well, he's no longer president. And he also tried to write that money off, which in itself is legal. So that's just one of the many things that are going to come out of this release of the tax records, of the tax returns. That's just one small thing. $140,000 isn't a big deal when it comes to Donald Trump's taxes. He's claiming losses in the tens of millions. He's done nothing but lose money over that six-year period. One year he made some money, he claimed. But he never paid much in the way of taxes. So with all those losses and not paying taxes, it's clear that Donald Trump is not a billionaire. And that is going to hurt Donald Trump's ego. I mean, that's his brand. I'm a billionaire. I'm a genius businessman. Well, clearly, according to your tax returns, you don't have that much money. And clearly, with all the losses you have on, on said tax returns, you can't be much of a fucking businessman. Or you're lying about it. So that means you're a tax cheat. That means you're a criminal. There's a lot of information flowing around this country, around the world for that matter, because of the January 6th committee releasing documents. And we're finding more about that every day. That is a 845-page report. So it's going to take time for everybody to go through it. But make no mistake, all of the information, all of the evidence will be revealed and we will all see what was going on. But these tax returns, they're much shorter. It's, it's still pretty voluminous, but it's nothing like what's coming out of the J6 committee. You can bet there will be accountants and financial people going through this thing, and we'll hear about every little fucking detail that Donald Trump did when he committed crimes in doing his taxes.
This is going to be a very special day for Donald Trump. He's going to be made to look like he's broke, like he's a poor businessman, and he's a criminal. And these tax returns are just a small fraction of the shit that's going to fall on Donald Trump. Now, there's something else I wanted to bring up. It was a kind of a weird occurrence. Now, with my TikToks, I will put them on TikTok, of course. I'll put them on my Facebook page. I'll put them on Instagram. And I'll even put them on YouTube. I've never been a big YouTube guy. But I started getting a number of followers, so I thought I'd push it a little farther. Well, yesterday I got notified that one of the videos was taken down and I got one strike. And that's a bad thing. Now, I don't know how many strikes you get, maybe three strikes, I don't know. But they took this <laughs> they took this video down because of medical misinformation. And I thought that was weird because this video, which was fine on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram, nobody tried to take it down. But YouTube, they did. They called it medical misinformation. I suppose it's one of those things to protect people from the COVID deniers and all that sort of thing. But this video had nothing to do with medicine. And it wasn't misinformation. It was about things that were happening. And I was just reporting them. And what this was about um, was politically in nature and legally in nature. What this was about was about the guy who broke into Nancy Pelosi's home and hit her husband over the head with a hammer. The premise for the story was this. This guy goes in to Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi's home the cops are called. The cops come in the kitchen with these two people. The cops witness this man with a hammer strike Paul Pelosi over the head. Now, this man, this suspect, then went to court yesterday, and he pled not guilty. And my question is, how can you plead not guilty if you had police officers witness it? What are you going to claim? Insanity? I mean, clearly it happened. And then I remembered how everything with the Republicans works this way. No matter how open, no matter how blatant, no matter how egregious, they will say it never happened, or it was a hoax, or it was fraud, or something like that. That's how arrogant these people are, or stupid, however you want to look at it. Now, I was thinking to myself, how does that video get taken down for medical misinformation? And for the life of me, I couldn't figure it out until I really looked at it. And I put a title to this uh, video. And in this video, I said, don't believe your lion eyes. You know, just a phrase that everybody's used and I was using in this case because I was describing what Republicans and this assailant did in the Paul Pelosi case. 
Don't believe what you saw. Believe what I have to say. This is something we've assigned to Donald Trump for years. But that can be the only reason they would have taken down this video for medical misinformation. There was nothing medical in the video at all. But don't believe your lying eyes. So they asked me if I wanted to um, um, rebut this, you know, and say, I need you to review this. And the note I sent to them is, clearly, you're just looking at a title, misinterpreting the title, and not reviewing the video at all. You take it down, you tell me I've got one strike, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't really post that much on YouTube. They said if you do it two or three times or whatever it is, you'll get banned and you won't be able to post here anymore. And as it is, I think they put a week suspension on the account because of that video. So I wrote them a note back. I said, look, man, you clearly didn't listen to the video because it has nothing to do with medical. It has nothing to do with misinformation. It has everything to do with discussing a news story that's been reported by every mainstream media outlet in the fucking country. Now, you can suspend me for a week. I don't give a fuck. YouTube isn't a big deal to me at this point. And you tell me that if I have another strike, I may not get to post. Listen here. I don't post that much on YouTube anyway. And in fact, I'm going to ride out this week and decide if I want to post at all on YouTube. I said, this is ridiculous. You need to actually look at the video and then rethink this suspension. Now, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm not hoping against much here and I don't really fucking care because I just put it there because some people ask me to I don't really care about YouTube I care about TikTok I care about the podcast a little bit about Facebook and a little bit about Instagram but really the podcast here the Rational Boomer podcast and TikTok are my primary platforms that I'm most concerned about But that just goes to show you how these platforms work. They see something in a title and they take it down. That's ridiculous. Or one of the Trumplefucks will come in and say it's something and they'll take it down. You know, they'll go into some guy's political thing and say, we took it down because of nudity. Well, there is no nudity. These platforms have to do better. And this is really why I do the podcast. I don't have those kinds of problems with the podcast because I pretty much control what I say and what goes out. I guess there is some oversight with Anchor, anchor anchor.fm, which is um, where I put my podcast, but I've never been talked to about anything ever. And that's the way they should leave it. If somebody's doing a show and they're telling the truth, whether somebody likes it or not, they should just let people do what the fuck they do. Now, of course, um, people would scream First Amendment if they took down the podcast. I know I can't do that because First Amendment is with regards to the government. A private company like Anchor.fm or TikTok or whatever can take any video down and can make any rules they want. The First Amendment doesn't apply to them. But that said, for YouTube, if you're going to take me down, 
at least know what the fuck you're talking about. You look foolish doing this. And speaking of looking foolish, we got to talk about Representative-elect George Santos of New York. Now, we know that he got elected to the House of Representatives, and then we find out that everything he put on his resume was a flat-out lie. Where he went to school, the fact that he had a degree because he doesn't have one, where he worked. He also talked about having employees that, um, that were killed in the Pulse nightclub shooting, which wasn't true. Now, George Santos doesn't sound like he's willing to resign or step down. He's emboldened, and he's going to take his seat on January 3rd. And there isn't a lot that you can do, well, except one thing. This could pose a problem for Mr. Santos. He is currently officially under investigation by the Long Island prosecutors as of Wednesday after revelations surfaced that he lied about his heritage, education, citizen, and uh, citizenship, and professional business experience as he campaigned for office. Now, despite calls for his resignation, questions regarding his fitness to hold federal office, Santos has shown no signs of stepping aside, even as he publicly admitted to a long list of lies amid widespread mockery. This fucking clown is getting mocked every day, all day, and by a lot of Republicans, too, notable Republicans. But he has no shame. He says, I'm going to be a good representative. That is until we have to believe something you're saying and then you're going to be questionable based on your history. Now, he did go on to say, yeah, I did embellish a little bit. No, you lied about fucking everything, dude. You are a complete scam artist. Now, Santos is scheduled to be sworn in next Tuesday when the U.S. House reconvenes and the GOP will regain power thanks to a razor-thin margin provided by Santos wins. Now, if Santos is permitted to take office, he could face investigations by the House Committee on Ethics and the Justice Department. However... You know, with Republicans in control, it's more likely he would be placed on a committee rather than being investigated by one. Republicans aren't going to do anything because, as we know, lying, cheating, stealing is basically the platform of Republicans. He won't be, he won't be an outlier in the Republican Party. He'll be right in the thick of it because, well, they all fucking lie. They all have questionable backgrounds. I mean, take Jim Jordan, for example. Here's a guy that was a wrestling coach, of all things. There was all kinds of uh, sexual abuse going on, and he turned a blind eye to it. And then he said he knew nothing about it, even though many wrestlers said, of course he knew. This is commonplace um, with Republicans. Now, Santos also lied about having a degree from Baruch College 
and extensive Wall Street experience, but he has yet to address other lingering questions, with the most pressing being the source of what appears to be a quickly amassed fortune. Despite his recent financial problems, including evictions and owing thousands of dollars in back rent. You see, that's that's the weird thing. In 2020, this guy made like $55,000. He was evicted from his home. And then all of a sudden, his income jumped up into the millions of dollars. And then he claims he loaned money to his campaign, $700,000. Here's a guy that couldn't pay his rent, but he loaned his campaign $700,000. Now, it seems kind of funny how a guy with no history of making a lot of money all of a sudden has a lot of money. He's had some explanations for it. Basically, I got lucky. I got a couple of million-dollar contracts, and then all of a sudden I made money. But he's never given the specifics about it. There's even a rumor that he is a cousin that's a Russian oligarch and that uh, this guy somehow fed him money so that he could be elected into the House of Representatives. And that seems to make more sense. The New York Attorney General's office has already said it's also looking into issues regarding Santos that have come to light as more Republicans are adding their voices to the chorus of calls for Santos to either be investigated or to step down. Fact of the matter is, if he takes uh, his seat in the House of Representatives, he's going to look foolish. But more importantly, So are the Republicans, and they've got enough people in the House of Representatives currently to make them look foolish. The stupid Lauren Boebert, the racist racist and stupid Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gozar, Louis Gohmert, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, as much as they do have Uh, a slim majority now going into 2023. It's amazing how many stupid people have been elected to office by the Republican Party. And then you give them a slim majority. It's a weird consensus of of, uh, political people in this grouping. And it doesn't bode well for what we're going to see out of the House of Representatives. We're going to see the investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop, in spite of the fact that the FBI had it for two years during the Trump administration. Should anything have been found, it would have come out and they would have used it in the 2020 election, but they didn't. That's just a trigger word for them. Hunter Biden's laptop. And there are people out there that are so fucking dumb that they say, yeah, what about that? What about Hillary's emails? While they're trying to commit insurrection, trying to mount a coup against our country, they're trying to drown that out with this bullshit. And now they have a new representative in the House who appears to be the king of bullshit. My question is, why didn't the Republican Party vet him before they allowed him to run for office? But even more importantly than that, why didn't the Democrats find this stuff out before the election? 
I mean, usually when there's a, an election, especially for an important seat like in the House of Representatives, the Democrats will dig into the background of said Republican who is their opponent and try to come up with shit. The Republicans do it too with the Democrats. But apparently nobody in the Democratic Party did that, and you have to wonder why. I mean, we knew that it was going to be a tight race in the Republican Party. George Santos, if he goes away and there's a special election, and even if a Democrat comes in, Republicans will still have the majority, but it'll be slimmer yet. A lot of people drop the ball in this case. I mean, this guy is an absolute buffoon. How does a guy like this get through and get elected to the House of Representatives? The interesting thing about George Santos, too, because he seems to be a pathological liar, what we know now may just be the tip of the iceberg. It's more than likely there's more that will be found. There are going to be some financial issues. You can't go from $55,000 a year and getting evicted from your home to being a millionaire. At least not until you get into Congress. Then somebody like Lauren Boebert can go from being a broke-ass bitch to having 20 or $30 million in the bank. That's another issue we need to look at. And it's not just Republicans. It's Democrats, too. But this guy has some problems, and he didn't even really try to cover it up. He wasn't very good at it. And that seems to be the case with most Republicans. They do this stupid shit, and they do nothing to cover the trail. They just assume nobody's going to look, and we are going to lie, cheat, and steal. The interesting thing is this George Santos has been interviewed on TV. Um, talked about amongst Republicans. He will probably proudly take his seat on January 3rd. There will be no investigations, congressional investigations, of course, because the Republicans don't do that to themselves. There's plenty of people in Congress that should be investigated that are Republicans, but none of them will be investigated because that's just how the Republican Party rolls. However, if there are some financial misdeeds or some things that are illegal, the DOJ will have something to say about it. Maybe even the state he came from will have something to say about it, the state of New York. As I said, they're looking into it now. The state of New York is conducting an investigation into George Santos, which they should have done previous to this. But Better late than never. So they are investigating George Santos. This fucking clown hasn't even taken his seat in Congress. And his state justice department is already investigating him. I got to tell you, when this all starts on January 3rd, the House of Representatives is going to be an absolute shit show. First and foremost, they have to vote for a Speaker of the House, but we have nobody in the Republican Party that can garner 218 votes, and that includes Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy's getting a little little owly about this. He's getting mad. 
because that's his dream, to be Speaker of the House. It's not going to be an easy deal, though. When the election happens on January 3rd, if it doesn't elect him on the first vote, this will be the first time that happened in over 100, well, almost exactly 100 years. And then they'll take another vote, then they'll take another vote, and after like three votes, then they're going to have to say, what the fuck are we going to do now? Who are we going to vote in as Speaker of the House? Problem is, the House is very divided on the Republican side. You got the MAGA fucks, and you got the people trying to get away from the MAGA fucks. They are never going to agree on one person. And that's why I've said, you know, it would be interesting if the Democrats went to somebody and said, listen, man, we got 213, 214 votes. All you have to do is get four or five more Republicans to vote for you, and you can be Speaker of the House. Somebody that's more palatable for the Democrats. I don't know if we'll see that happen. I would love that. I would love to see Kevin McCarthy being usurped and the MAGA party have it rubbed in their face. Then they don't know what they'll do. But whoever gets the job as Speaker of the House is in for a tough row to go because nobody's going to agree. They're going to accomplish nothing. And when I say they're not going to agree, I'm not just talking about bills and legislation. I'm even talking about these investigations. When MAGA comes up with these crazy investigations, you know the people trying to step aside, step away from um, MAGA are going to say, yeah, no, I don't think we want to do that. They certainly aren't going to step in lockstep with MAGA and vote the way they want them to do because that just puts them back in the shithole of the MAGA party. And they're trying very hard at this point to be away from that. It's going to be a hilarious situation. I know a lot of people were worried and excited about the Republicans taking the majority in the House, but I got to tell you, it's going to be fucking entertaining. It's going to be hilarious. And the Republicans are going to be stepping all over each other, trying to gain power. They aren't going to have time to fuck with the Democrats because they can't deal with the people in their own party. (laughs) So this will be interesting. We'll see what happens. We will take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You know, there's not a lot of politicians that I have respect for or trust or even like for that matter. But since the start of the January 6th committee, there's been one politician that stood out and I've gained uh, some appreciation for, some respect for. His name is Representative Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland. He's proven that he's a pretty smart guy, as well as being a representative in the House. 
He is also a law professor, so he knows his stuff. He seems to be a no-nonsense guy. He will say what he's thinking. Most recently, he said that Donald Trump will get indicted and will go to jail. Well, those are some pretty strong words because there are many people that don't believe either. Well, I trust Jamie Raskin based on what I've seen during the January 6th committee, hearing some of his speeches in the House of Representatives. That said, Representative Jamie Raskin has gone through some shit, and it turns out he's currently going through some more shit. In spite of all of that, he's still fighting like crazy to get Donald Trump to become accountable. You can never say that Representative Jamie Raskin isn't a fighter. Just days after losing his beloved son, Tommy, to suicide, Representative Raskin brought his daughter to the Capitol on January 6th of all days to share with her the important moment of certifying the votes for Joe Biden, which would begin the process of the peaceful transfer of power. However, that didn't happen. He walked his daughter into a shit show, a dangerous situation, unknowingly, but that's how it turned out. Instead, father and daughter hid from the violent crowd, an experience so traumatic she said she never, ever wanted to return to the Capitol again. And that is a sad commentary on this country, on Washington, D.C., and our capital in the United States. That should not be the case. The capital in the United States is the people's house. The people should be able to go there, tour it, watch um, watch the representatives do their work. I know I went to Washington, D.C. with my family one time, and we sat there and watched what happened. Representative Raskin tearfully told this story as he led the second impeachment trial against Donald Trump. Now, Representative Raskin is also a key member of the January 6th House Select Committee. He's one of the most important ones. Representative Raskin, who wrote a book called Unthinkable about working through his trauma from both losing Tommy, his son, and the January 6th riot, has another and very different kind of fight ahead of him. And this is concerning. Representative Raskin released a statement on Wednesday saying he has diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, And the prognosis for most people in my situation is excellent after four months of treatment. After all he's been through and all the good he's done for our House of Representatives and this country, now we find out he has to battle with cancer. And this is the second cancer diagnosis for Raskin, who uh, underwent treatment for colorectal cancer in 2010. He said he has been advised his chemotherapy treatment will cause his hair to uh, fall out and weight to gain. True to his nature, Representative Raskin remains in good spirits. I'm still holding out hope for the kind that causes hair gain and weight loss, he joked. But that's the kind of guy he is. I've always said I don't trust uh, politicians. 
I don't think they're working for the people. I think they're looking for their own enrichment. But I got to be honest, I don't get that sense with Jamie Raskin at all. I even said at some point that he might be a viable candidate for president down the road. He's a plain speaker. He seems to be seriously minded. He seems to be incredibly honest. And on the J6 committee, he's doing a great job. All I can say is I wish Jamie Raskin the best. I'm glad he has a positive outlook about this. I've always said, anytime you go into anything, you got to believe that you are going to win. Going in with a negative or fatalistic attitude never works. It generally works against you. So Jamie Raskin has gone through some shit. He is going through some shit. But he's done a great service for this country in his participation of the January 6th committee. He should be in our hopes and prayers. And we can only hope that um, he gets through this thing and recovers because um, finding politicians like Jamie Raskin is not that easy to do. If we could have more politicians like Jamie Raskin, we might be in a better place overall in this country. So best wishes to Jamie Raskin. I love the attitude. Keep with it and keep fighting, not only for yourself, but for this country. Thank you. We appreciate it. Now, I talked about this story at the beginning of the podcast, but I thought we'd go a little deeper into it. The man who allegedly broke in, and I love this allegedly, but the man who allegedly broke into the U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's home and then beat her 82-year-old husband in in October pleaded not guilty Wednesday to six charges, including attempted murder, prosecutors said. And this is the thing that really troubles me. How does he plead not guilty? Because if I understand the story, the police were called before anything happened. But when the police came in the door, the suspect, David DePapi, or Pappy, had the hammer in his hand. He proceeded to go over to um, Mr. Pelosi and hammer him over the head with a fucking hammer. How do you plead not guilty to that when the police witnessed it? Now, he said he planned to kidnap the speaker who was in Washington at the time of the attack. You probably could have easily checked that out if you weren't a dumb fuck. But that's when he broke into the couple's San Francisco home on October 28th. Authorities said instead the 42-year-old defendant severely beat her husband, Paul Pelosi, with a hammer in an attack that was witnessed by two police officers and shocked the political world. This is pretty amazing. It's surprising that there wasn't more security at Nancy Pelosi's home, but the way they explained it was that all security followed Nancy Pelosi, and they weren't there because Nancy Pelosi wasn't there. Even still, Nancy and Paul have a few bucks. You'd think they would have some security set up, and uh, especially with as many people making threats against Nancy. 
But apparently that wasn't the case. Of course, the Republicans want to make this out some crazy thing that they were gay lovers and all this stuff, which is absolutely ridiculous. They just made this shit up. They pulled this out of their ass. The man is 82 years old. He's been married to Nancy Pelosi for 100 years. Why would he let somebody in the house who is dangerous? And clearly this guy appeared to be dangerous. Now, Paul Pelosi was knocked unconscious and woke up in a pool of his own blood. He later underwent surgery to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. No doubt he was trying to protect himself. He has since appeared in a public wearing a hat and a glove that covered his wounds. Now, earlier this month, the judge ruled that prosecutors had presented enough evidence during a preliminary hearing to move forward. Wednesday's appearance was another arraignment, a procedural move, where the defendant enters a plea on the charges that will be brought in trial. And he had the audacity to plead not guilty. This is really the essence of the Republican Party, the Trumplifux. As I said earlier, they will do something blatant right in front of you something very egregious. And then they'll try to convince you that, oh, it never happened. It was a hoax. Well, that's starting to cause problems for Republicans because it's like the boy who cried wolf. They use it every time and they think it's going to work. You'd think they'd be smarter than that, but it's not going to work in this case. Not only were there two police officers there, I understand there probably some video as well. But still this guy thinks he's going to be able to plead not guilty. Well, this motherfucker will go to court. He will be convicted. And he will go to jail. He's charged in state court with attempted murder, first-degree residential burglary, elder abuse, assault with a deadly weapon, false imprisonment, and threatening a family member of a public official. Oh, this was a courageous Trumplefuck fighter, wasn't it? And people would say, well, you don't know it was a Trumplefuck. <laughs> yeah, we do. Who else would break into Nancy Pelosi's house hoping to kidnap her? Certainly wasn't a Democrat. It certainly wasn't a guy trying to steal their silverware. This was a political act, and if it was a political act, it could only be by a Trumplefuck. Now, during the preliminary hearing earlier this month, the San Francisco police investigator testified that DePappy said there was evil in Washington, and he was looking to harm Nancy Pelosi because she is second in line for the presidency. Authorities have said DePappy was drawn to conspiracy theories. So if it's not political in nature, why would he be talking about Washington, D.C.? Why would it matter that she was second in line for the presidency? We know who he is. We know why he did it. And we are not surprised that he's a dumb fuck. DePappy told police he wanted to hold the Democratic leader hostage and break her kneecaps. Now, keep in mind, Nancy's like 82 as well. He wanted to show other members of Congress there were consequences to actions, the criminal complaint alleges. 
So he wanted to try to intimidate the Democrats in Congress. Yeah, that's not illegal at all. In November, Nancy Pelosi said she would step down as Democrats' leader in the House after two decades, but will remain in office. She and Paul have been married for 60 years. This is absolutely ridiculous. The fact that the Fox News's OAN and Newsmax and all the Trump LaFucks are trying to explain this way with some ridiculous conspiracy theories is just fucking amazing. It's borderline, not borderline, it's fucking stupid. No one is going to believe this. Everyone is going to know exactly what happened. And as I say, this fuck will go to jail. Now, on Wednesday's edition of CNN's Out Front, former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe argued that former President Donald Trump was completely aware of the attack on the Capitol. And he was aware that it was against the law and the people who were perpetrating the assault in his name were criminals. This is interesting. If that can be proven, that goes to intent, which apparently is important when it comes to indicting and prosecuting Donald Trump. The smoking gun, new reports based on transcripts from the House January Select Committee. And remember, I told you there'll be new shit coming out every day. It shows that Trump considered a blanket pardon for everyone involved. Now let's first talk about what we just got from those transcripts, said anchor Sarah Sidner. Your reaction to Trump floating an idea about pardoning people who were charged in the January 6th riot prior to the riot. Now, McCabe said it's amazing on a lot of different levels. Who was McCabe, who was previously fired by the Trump administration after extensive efforts by the former president to meddle in the FBI? But I think two things are really important to keep in mind here. One, the fact that he was considering issuing a pardon to anyone who essentially entered the Capitol on that day shows that he knew it was wrong, that those people might face some criminal liability for what they had done, i.e. they had potentially done something criminal, and that makes sense. Why would you think about pardoning a bunch of people who hadn't done anything yet? if for no other reason that he knew that they were going to do some bad things. McCabe goes on and says, and I think the second thing is it shows you undeniably that he saw people who entered the Capitol, who attacked our Capitol, as his people, said McCabe. So this should forever put to rest any of these crazy notions that, you know, it was actually, you know, Antifa or FBI informants or somebody else. And we know that's not the case because there are hundreds of people that were arrested, not one FBI informant, not one member of Antifa, mainly because Antifa really isn't an organization. They're, this isn't a gang of people. I love how they always use Antifa especially when Antifa means anti-fascist. So are they telling us that they are anti-anti-fascist? Well, I think that seems to have been proven to be true. 
Now, with that statement, Donald Trump acknowledges that these are his people and he's trying to protect them from criminal liability, which tells you that he was perfectly informed and his intent was absolute, that he knew what was going to go on on January 6th. Now, this will work against Donald Trump substantially when he gets indicted and ultimately goes to court. The thing about it is, is that any time Merrick Garland or Jack Smith decides to indict Donald Trump, they're going to feel like they need to have him cold. They need to have absolute proof he did what he did. And that bit of evidence is exactly the kind of thing they need. Now, the J6 committee witness, Cassidy Hutchinson, we, we've been talking about her a lot. She's become the star witness in the J6 committee hearings. She's a very brave woman. She's 25, 26 years old. She was an assistant to Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff for Donald Trump. She was in the thick of it. She saw everything. And she brought up something recently. We talked about it on the podcast before, but I wanted to go a little deeper because this this is a pretty serious issue. She recalled discussions of the QAnon conspiracy theory taking place at the highest levels of the Trump White House during her deposition before Congress. Remember when he was asked about QAnon? Oh, I don't know who they are. But the thing about it is QAnon was helpful to Donald Trump. I believe he didn't know much about QAnon, but it didn't matter because they were going to be helpful to him, so he was on fucking board. Now, on Tuesday, the committee released more transcripts of testimony collected during their investigation into the attack on the U.S. Capitol, including two more transcripts of Hutchinson, who served, like I say, as a top aide to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of Donald Trump. Now, CNN reported that according to the transcripts in her June interview, the force she had conducted with the panel, Hutchinson described discussions about QAnon during a December 2020 meeting with Meadows and then-President Trump and Republican members of Congress, including Marjorie Taylor Greene. She said, I remember Marjorie Taylor Greene bringing QAnon up several times, though, in the presence of the president, privately with Mark. Hutchinson testified, I remember Mark having a few conversations, too, about more specific to QAnon stuff and more about the idea that they had with the election, and you know, not as much pertaining to the planning of January 6th rally. Now, what we know about QAnon is this. For all intents and purposes, QAnon is two some geeky fucking weirdo fucks that created this persona. They are nobodies. They know nothing. They just make shit up and put it out in a mysterious way. And people say, oh, my God, I believe that. Now, the only reason they believe that is because they want to believe it, because it helps push along their agenda. 
Now, during Cassidy Hutchinson's May interview, she also recalled Representative Green mentioning QAnon while Trump was holding a rally in Georgia on January 4th. Miss Green came up and began talking to us about QAnon and QAnon going to the rally, and she had a lot of constituents that are QAnon. Not surprising, given that she got re-fucking-elected. And they will all be there, Hutchinson said. She was showing him pictures of traveling up to Washington, D.C. for the rally on the 6th. So QAnon was clearly well-represented at this insurrection. For those of you who don't know, and I'm sure most of you do, QAnon refers to the far-right pro-Trump conspiracy theory and political movement that claims Trump is fighting a secret cabal of deep state child sex traffickers. You mean like Matt Gates? No, not like Matt Gates, like all Democrats, which nobody's proven and is crazy when you think about all the claims they've made. And at one point, I had sarcastically said, oh, is this from your QAnon friends, Peter, Cassidy said? Because Peter would talk to me frequently about his QAnon friends. Hutchinson testified, referring to former Trump trade official Peter Navarro, who's involved in plots to overturn the 2020 election. It's not surprising that... uh, Peter Navarro was involved. Here's a guy that found out about fucking around and finding out. He's going to court and he's crying, I don't have any money. I can't believe this. This is against the Constitution. Fuck you, Pete. Go to jail and shut the fuck up. Peter Navarro then said to Cassidy, Have you looked into it yet, Cass? I think they point out a lot of good ideas. Oh, do you, Peter? You really need to read this. Make sure the chief sees it, she says in the uh, transcripts. According to the transcripts, Representative Liz Cheney then asked Hutchinson if she thought Navarro was being sarcastic referencing QAnon. And Cassidy said, I did not... um, I did not take it as sarcasm. Throughout my tenure working for the chief of staff, he would frequently bring in memos and PowerPoints on various policy proposals that he would then expand on, you know. Q is saying this. Notably, since leaving office, Trump has publicly promoted the QAnon conspiracy theory on his truth social. And that's a good point. Now, while it was going on prior to and shortly after the January 6th insurrection. Donald Trump claimed no connection to the January 6th committee because that wouldn't work in his favor. But now that he's pretty much cornered, pretty much has no way out in his current situation, well, now he's tending to QAnon. Because, as I've said, as long as somebody's siding with him, he will side with them, no matter how crazy it is. And at this point, he's got no place else to turn. Even his own people are turning against him. So, this whole QAnon thing will come out more. And we know it's a crazy fucking cult, so this will not work for Donald Trump. 
Cassidy Hutchinson also brought up the fact that uh, she saw Mark Meadows burning White House documents in the White House fireplace. Now, that is a big problem, a fucking huge problem, because it is absolutely against the Presidential Records Act. He could be prosecuted for that if they could prove and verify that he was, in fact, burning documents. He could get a year in jail, up to a $100,000 fine, and also preclude him from ever running for office again. Now, he's not as old as Donald Trump. He's not ready to go to jail. He's not willing to not be able to run for office because that's all he fucking knows. So what's that mean? Well, everybody's speculating that Mark Meadows has thrown Donald Trump under the bus, rolled on Donald Trump. And the more I see that's come out and the more complicit I see Mark Meadows has been and the crimes he's actually committed, I have to believe that he is uh, turned on Donald Trump. That's really his only option. He's too young to uh, throw everything away. Now, this guy still should not be allowed to run for office ever again. But if he cut a deal to... uh, turn state's evidence, if you will, against Donald Trump, he will get some accommodations. What they'll be, I don't know. But I will tell you this, if Mark Meadows did roll on Donald Trump, that is the end of Donald Trump. There is nobody closer to Donald Trump than Mark Meadows. And of course, Cassidy Hutchinson was an advisor to Mark Meadows, so she's privy to a lot of things that Mark Meadows may want to try to deny, but won't be able to because we have Cassidy Hutchinson contradicting everything he says. Mark Meadows has been a slimy motherfucker. This guy should go to jail, but if they need him to stay free so they can get Donald Trump, you can bet that that's what they'll do. Now, you remember uh, the other day I reported that one of the people involved in the uh, attempt to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, and uh, he got seven or 16 years in prison for his part in the plot to kidnap the, the governor. But... There was another guy, Barry Croft Jr. This was yesterday. He didn't get 16 years. No, he got 19 motherfucking years. Croft's 19-year sentence is the longest term yet given to anyone convicted in the kidnapping plot in which Whitmer was never physically harmed. Prosecutors had sought life in prison for Croft, the fourth and final federal defendant to be sentenced, Croft and Adam Fox were accused of organizing the plot in an attempt to stir up anti-government extremists just before the 2020 presidential election. Now, the judges in these cases decided that life was a little strong given the circumstances, I suppose since Governor Whitmer wasn't kidnapped and wasn't injured. 
But the fact that they plan to do this with a head of state should be enough to give them life in prison. But that's not the case. They'll spend 16 years and 19 years in jail, respectively. So we can only hope that we won't see them again. I don't know how somebody like that will do in prison. I personally hope it's going to be extraordinarily rough. But, you know, in prison, he might find a lot of fans there. Nonetheless, we need to take him out of society, lock that son of a bitch up, both of them, and let them rot for a while. Now, there were a lot of people on Donald Trump's administration that were unethical, criminal, corrupt, and none more than former Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. He said he briefly talked about using the 25th Amendment to remove former President Trump from power during a discussion with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in the wake of January 6th. Yeah, it's nice you talked about it, but you didn't do anything about it. But uh, Mnuchin, who served as Treasury Secretary from the beginning of the Trump presidency to its end, said he did not seriously consider using the measure to remove Trump from office. Well, so he says now, because Donald Trump can hear this, and uh, I don't know if Donald Trump has anything on him or he's just afraid to piss off the former president. I don't know. He said it came up very briefly in our conversation, Mnuchin told the J6 committee in his deposition. And again, This is more the evidence that has come to light since the January 6th committee released all the evidence. We both believe that the best outcome was a normal transition of power which was working and neither one of us contemplated in any serious format the 25th Amendment. Well, I'm guessing you wished you had seriously considered it now. You wouldn't be in as much trouble as you are now. He said, the only research I did out of curiosity was I Googled it, Mnuchin said, adding, I remember my general counsel asking me if we wanted him to do extensive research on it. He said, no, not at this point. Now, for those of you that don't know what the 25th Amendment is, it allows the vice president to step in if the president has been declared unfit for office by the vice president and a majority of the cabinet officials. Several lawmakers on both sides of the aisles called for the invocation of the 25th Amendment following the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. But, of course, no Republicans had the balls to do so. Had they done it way back when, we may have had a different situation that we currently had. Remember, I always say that these people waited too long to step away from Donald Trump. They were permeated with the stink of Donald Trump, and it will never be gone. Now, Mnuchin and Pompeo's discussion about the 25th Amendment had been previously reported by ABC News' Jonathan Carl in his book Betrayal, released last fall. Carl said in an interview about the book that Pompeo asked for a legal analysis 
of the 25th Amendment and how it would work, but dismissed the idea the next day upon realizing how difficult the process would be as several members of the cabinet announced their resignations after the January 6th riot. I got one more story I want to talk about, and it's a story that's in the news, but I find it interesting. Apparently, President Biden does not trust some of the Secret Service agents around him. And he has good reason not to trust them. I mean, they seem to work in concert with Donald Trump during the January 6th insurrection. They lost a bunch of text messages just by happenstance being around the January 6th insurrection. Everything they've done is pretty sketchy, to say the least. But here's one of the reasons why President Biden doesn't trust the Secret Service. He doesn't believe certain details of the biting incident with his dog, Major, according to a new book about the administration. Now, I bring this up because I love dogs, and Major seemed to be a pretty cool dude, but all of a sudden you remember the story that apparently he bit a Secret Service agent, and then Joe Biden had to send him away to get some kind of training or whatever. That seemed really weird. I wouldn't imagine a dog owned by Joe Biden would be a violent dog. And when you think about it, the idea that a Secret Service agent who may be loyal to Donald Trump would pull something this petty, that doesn't seem unreasonable at this point. Chris Whipples, the first or the fight of his life inside Joe Biden's White House, says, Biden has trust issues with some agents, due in part to the fact that some agents are strong supporters of former President Trump. A bigger problem was Biden's discomfort with the Secret Service detail. Some of them were MAGA sympathizers. He didn't trust them. Whipple wrote according to a copy of the book obtained by The Hill. This is really problematic when you think about it. I mean, these Secret Service agents are the ones that are paid to protect the president. But if they like Donald Trump, they no doubt hate Joe Biden, and these are the people that are going to protect our president? I see where the problems are. Biden's detail as president is much larger than it was when he was vice president, and now many agents are MAGA sympathizers, and the Secret Service is full of white ex-cops from the South who tend to be deeply conservative. We need a wholesale cleansing of the Secret Service. We don't need people that hate Joe Biden trying to protect Joe Biden. That makes no fucking sense at all. The Secret Service response to the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol after Trump tried to politicize the agency and made Tony Ornato, Deputy White House Chief of Staff for Operations, added to the president's concern. Surrounded by a new phalanx of strangers, Biden couldn't help but wonder, do these people really want me here? (laughs) And that's a good question. That's a legitimate question if what he's saying is true about our Secret Service agents. 
And again, there is issues around the March 21 incident in which his German Shepherd dog, Major, the president's rescue dog, allegedly bit a Secret Service agent. The president was reportedly skeptical about the Secret Service's report of the situation. Biden wasn't buying the details, such as the location of the incident, although he didn't dispute that the bite took place. Biden told a friend that Secret Service agents are never at the location of the incident, which was allegedly on the second floor of the White House. Somebody is lying, Biden thought, about the way the incident had gone down. Now, it seems like a pretty minor thing. But as I said, when we're talking about Trump and we're talking about Secret Service agents that happen to be Trump is it above them to do something this petty? I don't think so. I prefer to believe the dog than the Secret Service agents because I think our Secret Service has some serious fucking problems that need to be addressed. And as I say, there needs to be a cleansing of our Secret Service. We should not have biased Secret Service people. Secret Service people that believe in conspiracy theories and support a man who tried to amount a coup against this country. That seems contrary to people that we should have on a Secret Service detail. I hope we look into this. I hope there are some changes made. And frankly, in all honesty, if Major actually bit one of these Trump Good on him. You should bite a bunch more because those motherfuckers deserve it. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.